Welcome to everyone, leaders and non-leaders alike, all of our Rooted Leadership family out there or Groundwork Leadership alumni or participants, anyone who's tuning in, thank you and welcome for joining. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. We're here downtown in our studio for another episode. Just me today. We're going to get Salam and our guest on Zoom to join us here momentarily. But as always, I'd like to give a little bit of a background on why we're here. Salem is the home to Groundwork, a leadership institute, which we started a couple of years ago. And the intent was to raise the tide of leadership in our community. We believe in building leaders from the ground up. We believe in being an institute. And so when we got to the point of taking what it means to become an institute seriously, it was a no-brainer to start a podcast. Part of being an institute is to house knowledge, but first we got to gather it. We got to learn as much as we can. And since we're a leadership institute, we need to learn as much about leadership as, as, as possible. We don't claim to be the experts, but we believe that we can gather enough expertise to make this one of the best leadership institutes around. And that's our goal. And we want to be around for a very, very long time. All of this is a philanthropic endeavor. So we're not out to to make a profit. We're not out to have some sort of business agenda. We truly want to see a difference and impact in our community. And speaking of impact in our community, our guest today is leading a high school that has had a huge impact in our community. Uh, so much so that they have gotten attention throughout the state. Uh, we produced a video for them a couple of years ago to highlight their increase in graduation rates. It was just incredible based upon the history of this school uh, where they've been and where they are now is absolutely a remarkable story. Uh, their video uh, that we produced was part of our See People series. Uh, it's breaking the breaking the bubble in Salem schools. Uh, bubble meaning the bubble students, which are students, and we'll dive into this later in the episode, but students that are on the fringe of not graduating or vice versa. They're not going to graduate, but they could if they had a little bit of extra help and support. There's usually quite a few of those students in high school. Well, McKay started focusing on those kids in new ways and just remarkable things happened. And almost all of them graduated, drastically improving graduation rates at this high school. So we produced a film out of it, a video, short video about a good friend named Jackie. Courage all of you to go and watch that on our YouTube channel, uh, Mountain West Philanthropies on, on YouTube, or you can go to our website, mwinv.com, the philanthropy page, and watch all of those See People series. Just remarkable videos. So that's plenty of intro into our guests. I haven't even said his name. His name is Principal Rob Shoper, good friend of mine. Gotten to know him outside of what we do for work, and I really enjoy him and his insight. And so we're going to welcome him. I just need to get him and Salam on Zoom. So give me one second. We'll be right back. Okay, so we have Rob and Salam joining us. Of course, listeners, you all are familiar with Salam. He's a regular co-host on our show. Uh, and I introduced our guest today already, Rob Shoper, principal at McKay High School. And I gave a brief intro of him already, but since he's here, Rob, why don't you tell, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks. Well, first of all, Chris and Salam, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's, it's fun to be here. You know, I, I am the proud principal of McKay High School. I'm in my fourth year serving in this capacity and serving this community. Um, it's hard to believe, but this is my 20th year in education. Uh, it feels like yesterday, you know, I was an undergrad at Willamette, you know, finishing up uh, my, 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 my studies there and finishing up my football career. It, it seems like yesterday, but I got to tell you, um, you know, I've had an opportunity to serve a variety of communities here in Salem-Kaiser over my career. All of them have had one thing in common, and I, I, have, I, I have really focused and have dedicated my career in, in, in serving um, some of our most underrepresented communities. So, you know, my time in Salem has been serving our Title I schools. Mm -hmm. I, I, have, I, I have spent time as a teacher, a Spanish and, and, and reading intervention teacher uh, at Claggett Creek Middle School. I spent time at Waldo Middle School. Um, I had a chance to serve in, as an assistant principal and principal at Parrish Middle School. Um, and then I had an opportunity to go back to where I started at Claggett Creek and uh, serve in, in that capacity as principal. And in that time, you know, we had a, a real opportunity to, 
to, to focus on our school-wide work around, around our college and career readiness system with AVID. If you're familiar with the AVID system, it's really focused on ensuring our kids not only are successful in school, but set goals for higher education and graduate. You know, we became a national AVID demo school. So one of 2% of all AVID schools in the country get that designation for that work. And then I had an opportunity to come here to McKay. And, uh, you know, it's been an incredible challenge. It has been a real rewarding experience uh, serving this community, making sure these kids um, not only are prepared for life, but walk across that graduation stage. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Rob. Thanks for the the snapshot of your career in education. Uh, tell us, tell you know, obviously Salam and I know this, but tell our listeners a little more about um, the McKay community. Uh, you know, at, as of right now, um, and some of the unique opportunities as well as the unique challenges. Sure, sure, I can. You know. Um, when I joined this community a few years ago, we were we were incredibly um, over capacity here. You know, we were over twenty six hundred students um, in a school that was you know could safely seat two thousand. So that was some unique challenges we had to face with you know just high numbers of of bodies in our building. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the most diverse high school in Salem. Uh, we serve you know numerous, numerous um, nationalities of students. We're proud to, to house the Newcomer Center for our district, where students who are new to country, refugees from around the world, come to our Newcomer Center and we, we uh, teach them how to be students. We support their English development and uh, get them access to content. You know, we have um, almost 300 staff that, that, that come here on a daily basis to serve our students. So we're, we're a very large community. We're a large operation and we're a large title one school. So we see, we receive uh, federal funds uh, to support various programs that we offer here at McKinney. Yeah. And you guys have a phenomenal soccer team. <laughs> usually, well, usually, usually a, a competitor when it comes to uh, uh, state and, and whatnot. Am I, am I right? We, we definitely have a very competitive boys and girls soccer programs. Yeah. Yeah. Our boys have, have uh, made the playoffs the past couple of years. It's been fun watching them uh, develop and grow. Um, we have a great head coach in Juan Yamas, a young up and coming educator. Yeah. I like uh, who's also a coach. Um, you know, I'm just excited with his leadership and development here at McKay and the work he's doing with our kids. Um, it's just, it's just fun watching that, you know, we typically have, you know, if you're trying out for the boys soccer program here at McKay, we typically have, you know, 300 kids that come out, you know, and participate. So yeah, that's, that's quite a bit for a, for a soccer program to be. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, in our girls clubs, um, you know, the numbers keep growing in those clubs as well. Uh, we're excited. We have a new coach, Vicky Cruz. Um, who played um, at the national level for Mexico, played on the Mexico national team. I know Vicky. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's coming on board uh, this year. Unfortunately, you know, it's not looking like we're going to have a season um, at least where it stands right now, but uh, you know, we're excited for her. She's been working with our girls. Um, you That's know, awesome. there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of momentum happening in our soccer programs for sure. Yeah. That's fun. And of course, you know, Listeners know that I'm a soccer fan and so salam. So I had to give a plug in into your soccer programs there. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm curious, Rob, uh, what do you want people to know about the community that you serve? So when you think about McKay students and McKay families, um, what do you want others to know about your students, their families, their experiences and what McKay really means to them? Yeah. Great yeah. Question. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Salam. You know, I I I think some things that immediately come to my mind um, as the principal of McKay High School is the McKay community is an intre- is an incredibly tight community. You know, there's a lot of pride um, and there's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of history uh, here. 
You know, I have, we, we have families that work incredibly hard and, um, you know, want the absolute best for their kids. And I got to tell you, that is something that, that, um, gets me up in the morning. And I know that really drives our work here at McKay is, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to continue to meet that challenge, uh, for this community and making sure our kids, uh, get access to, you know, the, you know, the, the most prepared instructors access to the, to the most rigorous, um, instructional strategies, access to the most rigorous courses that are going to prepare them to not only graduate, but be competitive, um, you know, when they do, um, you know, been unique over the past couple of years, I could be somewhere, you know, I was in Nashville, um, about 18 months ago for a CTE conference and I was wearing a McKay track shirt and in Nashville, Tennessee, somebody came up to me saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a gra- I'm a 1985 graduate of McKay High School. I get that all the time. There, there's a lot of connections um, to this community. There's a lot of tradition in this community. And there's uh, people that are very proud of, of, of graduating and being a McKay Royal Scott. Yeah. And I, I really think it's important for the community to understand the role that McKay plays in our larger uh, community in Salem and Kaiser, because I think you have more students that attend McKay than any other high school. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's my understanding. And uh, a lot of those students come from immigrant backgrounds. And this is their really their entry point to a better life. Yeah. And it's almost like McKay is fulfilling that American dream for a lot of families, because many of your kids and families are first generation um, high school graduates. Some of them are the first and the first in their family to actually go to college or pursue education beyond high school. So I think the the impact that all I mean, all of our high schools play a tremendous role in in developing students and building their capacity for success. But uh, for me, McKay is almost iconic in that that origin story. You know, you have a lot of kids that are the sons and daughters of immigrants and you're helping them uh, establish their footing in in this society and this country, I would say, which is really remarkable. And we just don't think about that very often. Yeah. 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 You know, that's uh, thanks for saying that, Salam. You know, I, I, I would say. You know, um, it, it is about uh, making sure our, our kids get access to, you know, quality programs, get access to career development, you know, if that's something that they choose, or access to, you know, um, classes that are going to prepare them for higher education, you know. So I, I totally agree with that. Um, but boy, you know, it's really about, making sure our kids are equipped and they walk across that graduation stage. The minute they do that, we open up doors for them that could change, you know, the trajectory of their family forever. You yeah. know? Yeah. You, uh, and I want to, I want to dive into, you know, this topic here soon. I, I do want to ha- ask you a, a question about kind of the story of, of, of McKay that will segue into it, but I love what you just said because, uh, that's, that's the tagline, uh, one of the tagline the phrases in the video that we produced um, with you guys at McKay about Jackie, where you said, you know, a lot of people say that graduation is the finish line, but, you know, you say it's really the starting line, you know, it's the start line for them um, for life. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more that it opens up doors um, and opportunities for, for people that wouldn't otherwise be there. But be, before yeah. we get in a little more to that, cause I, I think it's really inspiring to talk about, you know, the, the actual stories of faculty or students right now and what's happening right now. But could you share just, you know, a 30,000 foot view or synopsis of where McKay has, has been in recent years um, to where they are now? Cause you know, we have a lot of listeners and a large majority of them are, are leaders um, in different capacities. And so I think the story of where McKay has been, where they are now, um, and, and purely, you know, high level statistically, I think is inspiring by itself. And then maybe if we can narrow down into the actual lives of, of the, you know, move beyond the numbers and go to the actual people and, and the difference that's being made, 
Does that make sense? That question? Yeah. Could you could you share yeah. kind of big perspective and then we'll narrow it down? Yeah, yeah, I can. You know, um uh I I've been an educator in Salem uh, again for 20 years. McKay's always been um you know, a school that that is uh, of focus, you know, in our district for one reason or another, whether that's graduation rates or whether that's, you know, first in 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 implementing a new innovative program. Um, AVID is an example of that that started here uh, on the McKay campus. I think McKay was the first in the state to implement that college and career readiness class at the time. Um, you know, historically, uh, over the last 20 or so years, I, I think if you looked at, at the performance of McKay High School, um, especially around graduation rates, I think McKay High School has historically underperformed compared to similar schools, uh, especially here in Salem-Kaiser. Um, you know, always been a place where, 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 where the facility's always been at or above capacity, just, just large numbers of kids large operation, large organization. And for one reason or another, you know, in a system like that, uh, I think we have a tendency to lose kids, you know, kids, kids disconnect, uh, we lose them and we don't have a system in place that can go out and find them, you know? So, um, boy, when I had the opportunity to come on board four years ago, um, McKay high school's graduation rates were in the low seventies, you know, 68%, 70% in that area, 10 or 12 percentage points below the state average. Um, you know, just looking at our data, and I don't want to get into too much of it, but it, we had high numbers of students um, who were within a credit, two credits of graduating, but for whatever reason, never came back to take the class or didn't have the intervention in place um, to, to demonstrate mastery of that content they needed to be awarded the credit in order to walk. So, you know, that was one of many things that, you know, we've uh, focused on in my time here is just really creating a system of support uh, for our kids that are not only, um, you know, going to ensure they're successful, but make sure that they stay on track to graduate. So, you know, there's a variety of things that we offer our kids uh, to make sure that happens, including evenings and summers. Um, but, you know, by focusing on uh, on a system that ensures our kids stay on track, uh, we have really been able to accelerate uh, the number of kids that have really walked across that graduation. You know, and in, in in the four years of my time here, we've increased graduation rates almost you know eleven percent, uh, Chris. So we are you know we're 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 eighty two eighty three percent you know a couple percentage points above the state, state average, average now. Yeah. So McKay High School, you know, historically under under representing, you know, um, you know, underserving our students with regards to ensuring them walking across that graduation stage has now for two years been well above the state average. So that has been um, a real celebration point, um, you know, and it's really helped us uh, with our momentum regarding the work that we're doing on behalf of students. Yeah. And I mean, that's a huge accomplishment, obviously. And even though, you know, it's not a hundred percent and then there's kids that are still not graduating, there's obviously after there's programs that you have after the fact um, that are helping kids continue and actually get their diploma. But e even then, it's still a massive accomplishment to, to, you know, get help kids get across the, the finish, the graduation line. Um, and so, you know, hats off to you and all, all the folks that go, you know, that have put effort in there. I know the, the teachers and, and the support staff that you have on the ground. And I was able to meet several of them. You know, they put their heart and soul into it. And, and as Salam says, I've heard him say many times working with educators is it's personal. You know, education, when people choose to work in education, it's personal to them. Where that might not be the case for somebody that's in, you know, sales or marketing, it's not necessarily personal to them. But, but uh, it is an education. You, know, you said something there that you said something there that really resonated with me, and I think honestly, it, it uh, what it's what motivates me and gets me up in the morning. And uh, we won't stop working until it is a hundred percent. Yeah. So there's always work to do in this business. 
you yeah, know? I love that. And you said something last summer that you told me that I really liked. I can't remember what you were saying. I, I, I have the essence of it in my mind, but word for word, I don't remember. It was whatever it was. It was what, whatever it takes. Is that what you were kind of the yeah. mantra at the time, whatever it takes, even after. And this was well after, you know, graduation, you know, because there's several yeah, kids yeah. that just needed a few more credits to get their diploma which those statistics don't fully represent because those are the kids that graduated, but there's many more kids after that get their, you know, their, 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 their GED. And, and, and I loved what you were saying, the mantra of whatever it takes. So they come back if you're senior. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, that's, that's a still our, you know, that's still our mantra as a leadership team, you know, with my assistant principals and my 100% leadership team is whatever it takes, you know, we're not going to work. We're not going to make excuses. Um, we're not going to let historical barriers in this business get in the way of, you know, making sure our kids get access to quality instruction, access to rigorous classes, and the supports they need to graduate. Absolutely. Building on this notion of whatever it takes, I'm curious, and we want to dig a little bit into a little bit deeper into your leadership. You know, what what made you the leader that you are today? But before we get there. Before we go there, um, you know, schools like McKay have a lot of challenges, if if you will. And I think it takes incredible leadership like yours and your team to transform those challenges into opportunities for students. So when you got to McKay four years ago, you had to do an environmental scan. And I'm really I'm, I'm kind of leading us to our soil the soil piece of our rooted leadership, because what you did did not happen by accident. Uh, it happened with intentionality and with a specific purpose in mind. And I think it happened with a with a, a keen sense of accountability as well, because the adults hold themselves accountable for the results that you're achieving. So could you talk a little bit about the work that you and your team have done to create the right conditions for success. Yeah. And what, you know, what, what were the challenges? What were some of the specific acti- actions or strategies that you implemented? Sure, I can. Sure, I can. You know, I think, um, you know, one of the, the areas of leadership, you know, I, I've served as principal in a variety of, uh, of systems, McKay being obviously the most largest and complex one of the things um, that that I'm reminded of every day, you know, as principal is in such a large operation like McKay, um, leaders can have a tendency to just focus on focus on the operations of the organization, you know, the management of the people, uh, of the students, uh, of the day to day operations. And unfortunately, um, you know, if you're only focused on the operation side, you never really get into the strategic planning and the and the intentional work uh, you need to do around, you know, leadership development, the systems within your school, addressing some cultural issues that may be, you know, in your organization or school. So I like to think of it in terms of, you know, we have to get really good. And this was one of the first things that I brought to my leadership team, my assistant principals, was we have to get really good at managing our work, the day-to-day operations of our work, so that we can strategically plan for the future. We have to do both really, really well. Um, so, you know, my first year at McKay, you know, I, I, I had the opportunity when I was still principal of Claggett Creek uh, to spend about half my time here in the spring. And I really focused on just getting a lay of the land. I, I spent time with individuals uh, on staff, had a variety of questions for them. I called it quality time with Rob. They, they, they scheduled a half hour, an hour with me, and we just talked about whatever they wanted to talk about for me to get a better understanding of McKay High School. I had that going into my first year, but we needed to focus on the operations. We had to get the management of McKay down. So, you know, working on roles and responsibilities, um, really continuing our work, um, which there wasn't anything that first year that was really changing the system, that was really bucking the system. We had to really focus on that. Yeah. Um, you know, in education, uh, I, I go back to this, and this is a, another one. 
as principal, uh, your school performs at an incredibly high level when kids are performing well in what we call our tier one instruction, right? That, that initial time that they're with the teacher, um, if, if they're comprehending content at high levels, if they're getting good grades and receiving credits, you know, um, kids are moving along in your system at a good pace. Unfortunately, you know, if you got high numbers of kids failing, high absentee in that, you really stress some of the support systems that you have in place for kids. So we, we have focused heavily on improving our tier one instruction at McKay. So without getting into the education terms of all this, it's really about investing heavily in our teachers, the, the quality of instruction that they're offering our kids and the support they need to make that happen. So we, we, uh, we, we focused heavily on our school-wide professional development work. Um, we focused heavily on, 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 on our instructional coaching team, who those people were coming up alongside of our teachers to be reflective in their practice and improve their practice of delivering that tier one for instruction. I think as a result, you know, we've seen some real culture shifts. Um, people are collaborative. It's safe to try things. Um, it's safe to share with one another strategies that they're trying and just really creating this culture of reflective practice. Um, hey, this is where I'm at with this strategy. I'm going to share it with you guys. Come into my classroom and give me some feedback on how I'm doing. Or, hey, this is really working for me. Come into my classroom. I'm going to model this strategy for you so you can take it and replicate it in your classroom. We focused heavily uh, on uh, on creating that culture. That has been a real, real priority for us over the past couple of years. Yeah. You, thank you, Rob. There's there's a ton packed in there. And so I, there's a lot of ways we could take this, but I, I just want to kind of pull out a thing, a few things that resonated with me. I love that you mentioned, and in light of this being a leadership um, podcast, you know, I, I love that you pulled out that a lot of leaders, sometimes they get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in the operations of things of any organization. And it sounds like more so in education because there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of responsibility. And so it's really easy to get caught up in the operations and that's, that's needed. But one thing that came to mind as you were saying that one of my mentors and friends, somebody I admire that I work for right now, his name is Jason uh, Tokarski. Something that he always reminds me of is what are the things that only you you could you can do right as a leader? What are the things that only you can do? And and so we talk about that often, not just as a leader, but in in my roles and objectives um, within our organization. Chris, what are the what are the things that only you can do? Because those are those are where, that's where you should be spending your time. And and then you know when we talk talk about that as it relates to leadership, there's two things that you know that he always emphasizes uh, with me when, when we're in these discussions of you know as a leader of an organization, and he's our obviously you know one of our leaders of our organization. You know what are the only what are the things that only you can do as a leader? And you know one two of the things he shares are two things you just covered is the leader has to own the vision. I mean that's that like that's just what they have to do um and they're the only ones that can can own it to that high level you know everybody should own the the vision in, in some degree but that's their job as as the leader and and the site and another thing is is uh culture right it's uh, that's your it's your job as a leader to to set the tone for for the culture and create uh, an environment in which you described where it's safe where people can be innovative where people can can share their 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 thoughts and take risks um, and, and do the, the right thing. And so I, you know, I admire as your leadership, as you're describing this, because, you know, it sounds like a lot of the success that's happened there, there's obviously there's tons of people to credit for the success, but it starts with the leadership. And it sounds like maybe you didn't think about it this way, but you started to do the things that only you can do as a leader. And, and it made a huge uh, difference. Um, and in our, in our leadership framework, you know, we call that cultivating the soil. And uh, I know you're not totally familiar with, with this, this framework um, right now, but, you know, soil essentially, the way we define it is, is it's the people, you know? And so if you're thinking of the soil of McKay, it's the people within McKay, it's the staff, it's the, the kids, it's the, even the, the parents. 
and soil is either healthy or it's toxic. It's toxic or it's, you know, or it's not toxic. And the de- the determining factors of that is something that you are very familiar with. We call it mindset, right? So if you have an organization full of inward mindset, you're going to have toxic soil. Uh, and if, or if, versus if you have an organization full of outward mindset, you're going to have healthy soil. And so that's how we define it. But when we talk about cultivating it, Salam's already mentioned our first level of it in a question that he asked you, which is accountability. That's our first level of cultivating soil. Is there accountability starting with the leader? Can, how can I change first as a leader? And how can I start to create a culture of accountability where people are thinking the same thing? How can I be the first to change? And then after that, it's you know things you're very familiar with, see people, and we even take it to a very deep level of deeply seeing people. And so all of those things regarding our framework came to mind as you were explaining um, the answer to, to Salam's question. So I just wanted to pull some of those things out because um, I know our listeners will be familiar with some of that language as we've touched on it in several other episodes, but really, Howard, really admire your leadership in that. that. Sorry, go ahead. You know as good as I, because you were here in my office a few years ago. Um, Outward mindset has definitely been key to our leadership development. Um, You know, but one thing I would add to that is, and I think it goes back to what Salam was was alluding to. I think as a leader, uh, you have to really know your weaknesses as well. I've 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 been um, I know what my weaknesses are. And I know uh, the people I need to bring around me to make our us as a as a leadership team strong. Mm-hmm. So you know, over over my few years here, I've been um, I, I've been fortunate enough to bring in assistant principals whose skill sets are different than mine. Um, you know, and I think collectively we are we we can be incredibly strong as a leadership team. But you know, well, you gotta. You got to bring in people whose skill sets differ from yours, but um, complement yours as well. Rob, I, I want to uh, go back to something you mentioned earlier. And uh, I think this also fits with another key component that we have in our framework, which is the seeds section. Yeah. Uh, so the question that I have for you is, is regarding McKay being a school of focus. You mentioned that before. And because you're a school of focus, uh, you're expected to implement a variety of mandates sometimes that come from the state, the federal government, the district, et cetera. But also because you're a school of focus, you're given permission sometimes to try new things, uh, to innovate, if, if you will. I'm just curious, how has been your approach uh, working in a school where the focus leads to a lot of initiatives? a lot of different things that we want to do to support our kids. Yeah. Um, how have you managed that process and how have you facilitated it? So the, the ideas, the seeds, as we call them, are successful. What kind of work have you done to, to ensure that or to guarantee the, the probability of that? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I didn't talk to this earlier, but, um, so, Salam, I think one of the one of the mistakes we we make in this business and education uh, is really jumping from initiative to initiative. Um, you know, you hear about the next you know big initiative in education, and we're all expected to implement. And I think over time in a, in an organization, you know, that really creates initiative fatigue for our staff. You know, I, I think some of the uh, repercussions of that is it makes people skeptical, or 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 it makes people you know, hunker down and just kind of wait it out. You know, all those, all those consequences we see in an organization. I think, you know, as principal, you, we have to be real gatekeepers regarding um, our, our focus points. And I tell you, I, I believe in a less is more model. Um, I, I believe in let's get really good uh, at a few things and go deep with those few things. And then we start working out from there. And I got to tell you, um, you know, here at McKay, we're an incredibly large organization. Our focus has really been on instruction, what we teach and how we teach it, you know, given our kids access to that first and foremost has been priority salon. And then, you know, Hey, look, we know there are students who just need more time accessing the content 
You know, so what are some interventions that we can implement um, beyond the school day, required during the school day, you know, that meets student schedule to get them access to that content. And I think we've been really able to, to keep our focus on instruction and the interventions for kids that just need more time as really the primary uh, work here at McKay High School over my time. I love, that's a great question, Salam, and I love, I love the answer, Rob, because, you know, when you're thinking of our analogy, soil, seeds, and weeds, um, you know, oftentimes, we, we even talk about this in our seeds, when we talk about seeds in, in our institute, that it's, it's often not a, it's not a problem or an issue of the seed. Sometimes it can be the right seed. It could be the great, a great seed. It could be the best seed. It could, should be, it could be the seed that we should be planting. But when it doesn't work, it's usually indicative of the, the soil. It's usually a problem of the soil. And when we have too many seeds that we're throwing out in our soil, it's going to be hard for all of them to take root. Or, and if they do it, it's not very deep. So I love that you know, your perspective on it, on, to, to Salam's question, was let's get really good at a, at a couple of things instead of trying to be okay at, at all of them. Let's get really good at a few. In fact, you know, my wife and I, when we got our first house, we planted our first garden and she loves it. And the first year she planted like everything that she could buy. <laughs> and we only had a few small garden boxes, but you know, it overwhelmed our garden with too many things. And at first it was like, oh, we see the fruit. Great. But then it was so hard to take care of it. They started to battle for nutrients and it all kind of fell apart. And we got some, you know, fruit from it. Uh, we got some, you know, produce from it, but uh, it wasn't near as good as our our most recent years where she's just identified what she wants and specifically and we did we've gotten really good at, at planting those things and the the amount of sustainable fruit that, or vegetables we get from it is much greater than that first year and so i thought of that analogy as you were sharing it it is so much so much better and it's really it's it's truly a result of our soil work when we you know when we do that and i th- i think as as leaders it's hard for us to see um see that, that it's actually a problem of our soil, not our seeds. Um, if we're not willing to do what you already said, look at our weaknesses and, and hold ourselves accountable of what can I do to change first? What, part, what, what about my perspective even needs to change on what's going on right now or the opportunities before us? So uh, I, love, I love your answer to that question. You know, that reminded me, I'm not sure where I read this, but I think to implement something effectively in, in an organization as, as large and complex as McKay, it really takes five to seven years, mm-hmm. you know, to truly make that uh, change and the adjustments you need to walk out an initiative. So um, I have a difficult time looking at all the initiatives that come our way and picking one, knowing that it's going to be superficially implemented or gone you know, within a year or two. We're, we're going to go deep in a couple areas that we know is going to make the biggest impact on kids. And we have to be willing to walk it out. Mm-hmm. So Let's talk a little bit about your leadership, Rob, because that's part of your soil as well. So, I mean, I've, I've worked with you for a while now, and I've always admired your, your leadership. And you started off this whole podcast talking about serving community and, and serving underrepresented communities. And that really speaks to your servant leadership. And uh, I admire that, and I wish all leaders would be focused on serving the communities uh, that they that they are responsible for, if you will. Um, I've also seen you be a very empathetic leader to the not just the students and the families, but also the staff that works in in an environment that's very demanding, and I would even say emotionally exhausting because your staff feel for the students and they take on that burden. And you talked about your humility and and knowing that you have to complement your skill set by hiring people that will make you better. And you're focused. There is absolutely no question what you're focused on. And um, and and as a result, you've been able to achieve the outcomes uh, that we discussed earlier at McKay. So what has been the biggest influencers uh, in your journey, in your leadership journey? And I would add, who have been the, the biggest influencers and what experiences have led to this, if you don't mind? 
you know, I, I, I think specifically, you know, if we go way back, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I am the first educator in my family. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have a history of educators. Um, I, I don't have any educators. They're, 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 they're business people and they're attorneys. Um, that's the family I came from. Um, I had an opportunity, you know, athletics for whatever reason. I, I got to tell you something, a, a quick story. My wife um, is one of the most talented musicians um, ever, you know, that I've ever worked with. You know, but she plays five instruments. Uh, she won a state title at South, got a music scholarship at Willamette, played the clarinet, played in the Salem City Band for a few years before we started having kids. Music was her passion. Um, I was last chair trumpet. And then I quit. I've quit one thing in my life, Salam, and that was music because it didn't resonate with me. Now, sports did. Sports did. I, I was, I enjoyed um, the, 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 the challenge of, of sports. I was always a team sports person. I played baseball, I played basketball, and I played football through high school and then had a chance to continue uh, playing college football. Uh, at Willamette. And then after that, I had a chance to uh, coach. So it was really, you know, the connections that I had with athletics as to why I, I, I am even in this business, because my my head coach, Mark Speckman at Willamette, just an incredible man. Um, when he asked me to coach at Willamette, he said, hey, you might as well go to school too. Well, there was the master's program in education at Willamette. So I got my my master's degree at Willamette, and you know, 20 years later, here I'm I'm still in the business. It's amazing how things work out. But I bring up that because it's really about those connections. There are there are coaches um, that that have really influenced me as a person. Um, you know, my high school basketball coach Tom Johnson, who's who who's still uh, coaching basketball in the state of Oregon. He's in his 35th or 30 36th year uh, at Barlow High School. Has won the most games of of anybody in the history of, of Oregon basketball. And he's still going strong. You know, that's one program. Uh, I, I, that program and Tom have, have inf- influenced me so much as a person. I still donate money to his basketball program. You know, I, I feel a level of obligation uh, to give back to him in that program. Um, you know, Mark Speckman, uh, Dan Hawkins, Dan Hawkins has been a, you know, a, a big time college football coach, but he happened to me be my college football coach my freshman year at Willamette and Mark Speckman. Um, you know, those guys, those guys really helped shape me as a young, impressionable um, kid, really. I think on the career side, Salam, I've been really fortunate. You know, you were deputy superintendent um, here when I came on board as a teacher and as a, as a young administrator. Um, you know, and I've been fortunate uh, to be mentored really, really well. Uh, people that that have um, done leadership a long time, that have th- that that have led complex, large organizations, that have led change initiatives in those organizations. Um, you know, yourself, Melissa Cole, who was my um, principal. She hired me as a teacher and was my director and worked directly with me in a real mentorship. Um, around leading school improvement, around improving my knowledge of instruction, around improving my knowledge of leading change initiatives in a, in a school. Um, all of those are really, really influential uh, that have shaped me uh, as a person. Well, I, I commend you and I admire for your leadership and I admire you, the mentoring and the coaching and the capacity building that you do and I've observed that firsthand uh, with your leadership team, with the assistant principals and other staff members that are willing to step up and lead. And most importantly, you provide them the opportunity to lead. So I, I, I thank you for uh, continuing to cultivate that because that's really part of the soil, uh, having good people, competent people, capable people that help us do our work. Yeah, you know, I think one of the, you know, the questions that I ask uh, a potential assistant principal, you know, if they're going to join our team, I, I want to know what their vision is for themselves 
three to five years from now. You know, I, I've only functioned in, in, in highly complex Title I schools, but, you know, I feel a real obligation based on the support that I received from people like you, Salam. I feel a real obligation to develop my people. So when I step out of this role, we have quality, well-equipped people who can continue to lead this work. That is, that is the essence of leadership. Yeah. That is truly the essence of leadership is, is building other leaders. Chris, you were going to jump in. Yeah, and no, I was just going to agree that that is, that is the essence of, of leadership and that is the, I feel, the ultimate you know, goal. Um, but it, I love that you shared that, that history of, of yourself and you know, what's contributed to your leadership. Um, somebody that all three of us know um, was a guest a few episodes ago, Chris Moore, one of the district psychologists, but he and I talked about the power in reflecting on those experiences uh, or people in our life that have influenced us um, in in positive ways. And so, yeah, I just want to point that out because listeners, you know, anybody listening, and I would encourage you to do that. In fact, you know, that's that that would be an ask that I would have um, in our episode today is is reflect upon the experiences you've had or the people that have made you, you know, who you are. Um, because I believe there's, there's gotta be some sort of psychological implication there, um, in, in a helpful way that continues to, you know, inspire us and, and get the best out of, out of ourselves. So I, I appreciate you sharing, sharing that Rob and appreciate you Salam for asking the question. Um, we have about, 10 minutes left, uh, maybe a little less than that. And we've, you've talked about it a couple times, but, uh, you know, this is obviously a common theme in our, in our, uh, in our show and our podcast, um, due to the nature of our work in the community, but outward mindset, you know, it seems to be a common thread. It's so tied, so closely tied to our, to our leadership framework and how we talk about soil. Uh, but I know that, and you've mentioned already, today that it's been influential in your in your work but i was wondering if you could tell us more about that in both kind of this theoretical you know perspective on, on your leadership but also practically you know what you have done what you started to do how it's reached um some kids uh and and so on i mean you can answer that however you'd like but just would yeah you know, i know there's probably listeners that would love to hear you know your perspective on it yeah um you know, I, um, you know, Chris, getting to know you and then, uh, our, you know, our work with Salam, um, seeing outward mindset as, as, as really a solution to a lot of the um, maybe barriers we were up against, you know, for, for one reason or another. Um, I think um, at the heart uh, of a successful organization like a school or the people. And in order, um, you know, for us to do the work we need to do on behalf of our kids, our people need to see one another and they need to know where one another is coming from and they need to work uh, together, most importantly, uh, to to move us closer to our vision. In this case, at McKay, it's ensuring every kid walk across, walks across that graduation stage. But early in this process, you know, um, I would hear language uh, here at McKay uh, uh, amongst my leadership team. Um, things were incredibly siloed. You know, uh, people would have roles and they would call it, you know, that's, 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 that, that's my bailiwick. You know, uh, that's my area. Mm -hmm. um, let me do my job. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times uh, we would be out of the loop on things or things wouldn't get walked out the way they may be needed to in the timely fashion. And that would impact everybody's leadership. Yeah. And, you know, Chris, it really came down to how we were interacting with one another and, and really how we were seeing each other in this work. Um, so we, I, I, I took it upon myself and I, and I engaged Salam in this process, but totally rewrite how um, the administrators lead the operations of a high school and also participate in the strategic leadership and planning that needs to happen. And in order for us to do that and get out of these silos, we had to ground our work 
an outward mindset. So, um, you know, it started here, uh, here in my office every Monday for a couple months, Chris, with you and Salam leading my assistant principal team and I uh, through what it meant to be, you know, to have outward mindset and utilize those strategies and those operations. And, you know, um, that that has really manifested itself over time. Um, you know, we have staff now. Uh, I I led sessions last year of outward mindset for staff. So we have a contingent of our of our staff that are outward mindset trained. And that has blossomed into, you know, a leadership development program that we're really excited to implement this year with students. So we have staff uh, that are leading an outward mindset class that is really uh, leadership oriented, um, project based oriented. Um, that's going to make a real impact, not only in our school community, but the McKay community itself. So uh, we're excited for that. Um, and, it, and it really has to do with, you know, outward mindset really starting uh, amongst our leaders here at McKay. Yeah. And, that, you know, some of that journey, you know, I've been able to be a, a part of, you know, in brief segments. But one thing I really enjoyed was, um, gosh, this would have been uh, last summertime, I guess, or spring or fall. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Everything's blending together, but you know, to introduce, to kind of get some stakeholders amongst your student population on board with this outward mindset movement, the seeing people as people movement, uh, you know, kind of going on. I remember one, the strategy you had was, and it's funny because we've been talking about athletics and sports, but the strategy was let's go to all of the the leaders that we have on our teams, you know, on our, through our different sports programs and let's get all of them in a room. And this was all on a, a, a Saturday, right? And I always admire kids that are willing to show up on Saturdays like this for the amount of time that we did. Um, and that's, you know, when we introduced the curriculum to them, you know, a few hours on a Saturday to all of these, you know, athletes and leaders of the school. Um, and that was a, you know, that was definitely a highlight and a, a bright spot for me to remember that, that moment. Um, but you know, it was awesome to before we even started that you came in and and talked about the significance of it and the importance of it to to you, um, and and the leadership of the school. And I know that you know that spoke to um, the importance that it it uh, must be to to them as as student athletes. So yeah, and we're we're excited. Eric Harder, our head wrestling coach, um, exceptional social studies teacher, exceptional coach. You know is is all in with outward mindset was trained and he's going to be the one walking that class out here in, in next quarter. So yes. we're really excited to get that going. Yes. Drew Monarchy, Drew Monarchy uh, says, you know, he's one of our early episodes, but as he says, uh, you know, Eric's part of the dream team <laughs> for all the different <laughs> high schools we have uh, implementing outward mindset with kids. Yeah. Rob, and, and I know we're, we're running out of time here, but I would be remiss if we didn't touch briefly on, on the weeds aspect of our rooted leadership framework. And, and Rob, you talked about McKay being a large, complex organization. And large, complex, complex organizations um, struggle sometimes in maintaining their coherence uh, in being truly committed to a vision and a mission, a set of goals and priorities. And that sometimes leads to conflict, either either you know within staff or just conflict in relationship to what you're trying to accomplish. And that's what we refer to as our weeds section, the things that keep us from accomplishing what, what we want to grow. So could you talk a little bit about how your philosophy, your approach, your purpose with McKay uh, deals with these with these barriers when you encounter them, and um, you don't let them become truly an obstacle to achieving your vision. I think some things that just resonate with me in thinking about you know um, our work over the last few years, Salam. I believe with all my heart in shared leadership, and you know making um, this system outlast you know the leader, you know the person that sets the vision or sets the momentum. We have to invest in our people in order to make this work sustainable, you know, in order to keep that vision alive. Um, you know, outward mindset has played a key role in, in, in our leadership development of people. You know, it, it has made us step back and really 
focus on the needs of our people because you know I think we've we've said it's McKay High School is not the easiest place to work. You know, there's there there's four or five other high schools here in Salem that people can go and work at. You know that you know in a lot of ways are much easier. So we have to um, invest in our people. We have to develop them, and, and we have to to make this work sustainable to make sure our kids get what they need in order to graduate and be successful. And in order to make that happen, our people have to be the ones to lead that. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Um, thanks Rob. And thanks Salam. In closing, just to keep our, um, you know, stay on course, uh, just want to ask one more question and, and something that, that we talked about today that I wasn't expecting, but has stuck out to me and you reminded, I brought it up, but you reminded me of, of the exact wording, uh, was the mantra that you shared with me last sometime last year, which was whatever it takes. Um, so, you know, in closing, would love to hear what that means to you. You know, what does that mean to you? Uh, whatever it takes. And you can speak to specifically, you know, in your role as a leader right now, uh, or in general, but, but I think there's power to, <laughs> to that, um, to that phrase, whatever it takes. So what, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times, um, in, in leading organizations, I think, um, there are things you may not, uh, want to address because the barriers may be too big. And I think in terms of education, you know, some of the systems that we have here, um, you know, if you look at them holistically, um, wow, you know, that could be, um, something, that you really don't want to tackle. It could be incredibly intimidating. I, I am of the mindset that we will do whatever it takes uh, to ensure our kids walk across that graduation stage. And, it, and in this case, Chris, whatever it takes for me is making sure our kids uh, get access to, to, to educators that believe in them, that care about them, that are committed uh, to their own professional growth so they can get access to quality, rigorous instruction. And then we have the support system in place to make sure that they're successful at that level. Mm. That's, that's, that's what summarizes whatever it takes for me. There's a lot of levels in that, <laughs> you know, as an educator, but uh, you know, that's it. And it's in its simplest form is doing whatever it takes to make sure our kids uh, are successful and, and, and opportunities open up for them, you know, when they, when they leave us here at McKay and, and that starts with them walking across that stage. It's, it's failure to launch if they don't. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing. I, I'm, I'm certain that, you know, I am who I am and I, I'm where I am because, uh, people had that perspective for me of whatever it takes, you know, <laughs> we're going to help this kid out, whatever it takes, uh, you know, like you coaches and other people throughout my life. And so I'm certainly grateful for, um, for that. Um, but appreciate your time today, uh, Rob, I know you have a, a school to, to lead and run and, and time is precious. And so we realize that, and we thank you for the, for the time that you did share with us today and your insights. This has been it's been a really awesome episode. A lot of a lot of great takeaways for me, and I hope so for all of our listeners as well. Um, before I close things up, Salam, you have any any last thoughts or anything you want to add? I I just uh, I just want to thank Rob as well. And um, we start these conversations, and we know we can go for a couple of more hours very easily. Um, and I learned a lot from it and, and thank you for your leadership. And for me, when I think about it, about you and your leadership, you are truly the embodiment of all of these traits that I mentioned earlier, but your sense of purpose and focus are truly, truly commendable and, um, admirable. And, uh, the students and the staff at McKay and the McKay learning community in general is very, is very fortunate to have your leadership. But when I think of you, I think of that focused leader, that purposeful leader, and those are wonderful qualities to have. Thank you. Well, guys, we appreciate the time today. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with what Salam said, Rob. Um, you are a great example of of somebody applying our our rooted framework. <laughs> and, and you you know you don't it's not you're not intentionally using the language, but you you know you're applying the the framework in your work and what you're doing at McKay. So appreciate that in you and. 
Again, thank you for your time and and listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Until next time, as always, stay safe um, and have a great one.